Hey guys, and welcome to our year in review for 2022. It's always so hard for me to funnel through all the incredible conversations and chats I've had throughout the year and pick just the highlights for you. But I've managed to condense this one down into five of the most incredible podcast episodes we've had this year based off both my feeling and learnings in each of the episodes, but also based off how many of you listened and shared the episodes. So today you're going to hear from my interview with Kelsey Wells, Louisa Nicola, The Enlightened Co, Alianor Salmon, and as well, One Monday Muse, which you guys have loved, which is all about how to make more time for yourself. I hope you guys love this. It's a beautiful little recap of either some episodes you may have missed or ones you want to go back and re-listen to before you kickstart the new year. So enjoy. I've put links to all the episodes in the show notes below. So if you want to save any for later, feel free to head over there to navigate through. Otherwise, enjoy this 20-minute goodness of recaps and best bits from 2022. I'll see you all on the other side of this year when we're back on the 12th of January with some brand new content. Let's dive straight in. I was at a place in my life um, where I felt exceptionally shameful about my mental health struggles. And that's one reason, probably the biggest reason why I'm so open about them now, because no woman, no one, but especially no woman should ever feel like they are less than or worthless or should ever be ashamed of struggling with your mental health ever. There's never a shame in that. And it does not mean you're weak. It does not mean you're failing. Um, that said, I think looking back across my journey and the experiences that I've had with, you know, thousands of women sharing their journeys with me, I think the first and foremost thing and tip, if you will, is self-awareness followed by self-acceptance. And I could list off, you know, mindfulness practices that I use to help me and we can maybe get into those, but I think really first and foremost, there needs to be a reckoning and there needs to be a time where you just get really real with yourself. And mine came kind of on accident. It was just, I was doing one of my first workouts in my living room postpartum. I was probably like a few months postpartum and I had this workout that was a home-based workout with zero equipment. And I thought, no worries, I could do this. And I couldn't do it at all. I couldn't do one single sit-up. I couldn't do a push-up. And I sat and I cried and I was crying, trying to be quiet, trying not to wake up my son and just feeling so physically weak. But I realized, you know what? This is exactly where I am physically and nobody can fix it for me. No one can make me stronger. The only way that I'm going to physically be able to build strength is to put in the work. And at the same moment, it was like, I had this epiphany where I realized there's such a bigger problem. And that is how I look at myself and how I treat myself and my body. My body postpartum was beautiful. I couldn't see that. And I just realized I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to raise my son watching his mom hate herself. And so I just realized nobody can do it for me. There's resources, there's help, but I have to put in the work. 
And it was like, for the very first time, I was able to see exactly where I was. Because for a lot of time, I knew friends or family would say worrying things. And I would just be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I would just deny how much I was struggling. And it was like, I just realized exactly the state that I was in with my mental, emotional, and physical health. And instead of shaming myself for it, for the first time, I just accepted it. I just said, you know what? This is where I am. And that's okay. And it's not even my fault. And I don't hate myself for it anymore. So it starts with the self-awareness of where you are and what you're struggling with, what pieces of your health journey and fitness journey are unhealthy. Where do you need help and love? And then the second step after the self-awareness is the self-acceptance, meeting yourself exactly where you are and deciding that you can do the work and you can make a change. And I promise everybody can, and it's never too late. And the healing journey will look different for everyone, right? But I think my biggest two tips are those. All right, the second tip is getting clear on your priorities. Now we're going to break down our priorities into two lists. One are going to be non-negotiables and the other one are going to be wants. So let's start with the non-negotiables. This could be, well, I might just rattle off some of my personal non-negotiables. 10 minutes of daily meditation, an hour of meal prepping on a Sunday, 20 minutes of reading every night, spending at least one full evening of quality time with my partner twice a week, etc. You really need to have a think about what is non-negotiable for your balance and for your routine. Now, remember, these are not things you really want to be doing. These are the things you feel like you absolutely need in your week. And when I say you absolutely need, it's the things that you need to feel grounded on a weekly basis. And so this exercise not only asks you to identify what those things are, but how much time do you need to allocate to make sure that those things are fulfilled or satisfied in your week? Now, that's the first column. The second column are priorities that are more like wants. So these are things that you may not necessarily need, but would really love to fit into your routine. So maybe that's an extra night with the girls or an additional gym class or more of something that's a non-negotiable. So if you can only fit in 10 minutes of meditation, maybe you want to up that to 20 minutes. And so whilst that's currently not a non-negotiable, it's something you'd really like to do. More time with your pet. I don't know. Think of anything that you'd love to fit into your week that presently you're really struggling to squeeze in that you feel like is more of a want than a non-negotiable. And when you're writing this desire or want list, I want you to try and write it in in order of priority. So put like the thing you want to squeeze in more of the most down to the least, because then when we're really looking at the hours in our week, we'll have a clear picture of how much free time we've got. And we can start with the list from most important to least important. P.S. Make sure when we are doing this, we are carving out time for ourselves to the point of getting clear on how much time we've got and what our priorities are is not so that we can pump and squeeze every single minute of the day. It's so that we can open our mind to the time that we do have and, and I guess becoming more aware of how we've been choosing to spend it. So let this be in the back of your mind, this concept of carving out time for yourself as we're ciphering through our hours and our priorities as well. Just notice if that's a non-negotiable for you or something you would like more of, or maybe it's both. And I'm going to start off with a bit of neuroanatomy 101 for everybody. So first and foremost, (laughs) We are, we are all connected by this wonderful thing called the nervous system. You have one, I have one, everyone in this world has one. So that all connects us. The nervous system is made up of the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. 
And the central nervous system is literally just the hardware. It's the brain and the spinal cord. Then the peripheral nervous system is all of the nerves that come off of your spinal cord and they connect to our organs and to our hands and to our feet. Now, when you ask me, are we doing certain things wrong? When when I hear that, I think to myself, are we doing things wrong to the hardware? And often we are. And it turns out that, look, here's some facts about the brain. The brain is 60% fat. The rest of it is water, some metabolites here and there. Uh, we It weighs about three pounds. It's very dumb. So whatever you tell it, it will do and it will believe. It's very malleable. So we have something called neuroplasticity. So we can learn new skills very uh, malleably, if that is a word. Um, <laughs> and here's another truth. And I'll get to your question. As we age, our brain ages too. And that's scary because every year, especially after the age of 25, when our brain is fully developed, we we just we do things every single day to age our brain. We go through a natural brain aging process. Now, we are either accelerating or decelerating that aging process. More often than not, 90% of the population is accelerating this process because to accelerate it, this means that we need to be putting things into our brain that is thinning the cortex, the hardware. And I actually posted an MRI scan of a 90-year-old's brain and you see that the actual cortex is very thin because that's what happens. Our cerebral cortex thins as we age. So what are some of the things that is aiding in the brain aging process. First and foremost, sleep is our most underrated high performance tool that we have. And it's one of the best things that you can do to starve off the brain aging process. So you may say to me, but Louisa, we've all been sleeping since we have kids. Yes, that may well and truly be true. However, how well are we sleeping? We now actually have this, I don't know, don't quote me on the the amount, but I think it's like a, it's going to be a trillion dollar industry, the sleep industry, because we are having so much trouble with it. So sleep mm-hmm. deprivation, later on, we'll go into what that means. Sleep yeah, deprivation. Yeah, we'll definitely pick your brain on that in a minute. Um, alcohol. Alcohol is very detrimental to sleep. Uh, inability to exercise. So a lot of people are not doing the proper exercises for a healthy brain. And then I think the other thing that we're doing is it's not so much about what we're ingesting when it comes to food. It's what we're not ingesting. And that's where those key nutrients come in. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But I wanted to pivot a little bit and chat a little bit more about purpose. As we sort of touched on before, um, I think it's a big question a lot of people have, you know, like, what's my purpose? What's the thing I'm here to do? And I think a lot of people get a bit jarred by this question, especially if they feel like where they are in their life right now is not where they're supposed to be or not where they want to be. And it can become really uncomfortable 
and it's quite ambiguous. It's a big bit of an ambiguous question to have to ask yourself, especially if you don't have a lot of, or you feel like at least you don't have a lot of room to move. So I want to throw the question over to you guys. How does someone find the thing that they're born to do, their their purpose? Mm. I'd love to go to like the step before that. Because when we're not in alignment with our true self, when we're carrying around baggage, when we're carrying around trauma or, you know, again, we're not connected to who we truly are, then it's so hard to find that thing. It's so hard to really create that life that we want to create because we're not the version of ourselves that needs to create that version of our life as well. So I think before we even start to explore, you know, what is my purpose and really start asking those questions, it really is about coming back home to living our most authentic self and, and and really being who we were born to be because from there we're kind of looking through the lens of what's really true for us and we're really in alignment with what that is and then from there we can start asking the big questions around well, why am I really here mm. yeah yeah no I, I actually really sorry I was just going to say I really love that as a bit of a reframe for people because if you can't answer the question what is my purpose then you're absolutely right it's probably because you're looking that you're looking at that question through a bit of a clouded perspective. And it's almost as though if you were to answer that in a position where you're out of alignment, you're probably going to get an answer or go down a road that's not correct for you. So how do people get in alignment? (laughs) Yeah, because I know know what that, I know what it feels like to be in alignment. Everything just flows. It feels like there's all these synchronicities in the universe. It feels like, you know, everything's on your side. I know what that feels like, but how do we get from feeling stuck and unsure to getting in alignment? Yeah, I want to just say, like, I agree with absolutely like both of you. But I think one thing I'd like to just add in is like not to not forget to have fun along the way as well Mm -hmm. with your purpose, Um, because it does. It gets to all fall into place with absolute ease Um, for us. And how does somebody kind of stay within and, and get back into alignment within themselves? The first thing to recognize is, well, I'm out of alignment. And that's the, the one thing that I don't think enough people actually recognize. And when people do, that's the, that's the moment of, of breakthrough. That's the moment of the, the turning point, right, that we go, oh, now I can U-turn because I've realized I'm off, off track. So sometimes getting into alignment is recognizing that I'm not in alignment so then I can make the, the pivotal choices that I have to to, to shift that, to redirect yes. and to kind of refocus um you know given the last couple of years and everything that's that's happened globally um you know we so many people went oh my gosh something's not right you know i i don't have all of these distractions i don't have all of these things that i can so freely go and do they've all been taken away from me and i'm i'm not okay without them so for us that's kind of like a, a heightened example of what happens when we're not in alignment when we're in alignment things can happen but but we're okay right we can we can move through those things with ease and with joy and with glory and grace um but when for us it's the acknowledgement that we're not in alignment and then it and then it starts to to shift and pivot Mm. but for alignment to to stay in alignment is then rituals it's routine it's you know being consciously aware of you know what we're 
you know, putting into our systems, into our bodies, into our minds, you know, what thoughts we're having, what, you know, how we're feeling about our, our day to day. Mm. And what's important to me, yeah. right? Is, if mm. health's important to you, am I in alignment with that value, right? Mm. Am I living in alignment mm. with that thing that's important to me? If family is, and I'm not seeing my family, I'm not in alignment with that thing that I'm saying that's important. Therefore, I'm currently yes. out of alignment. And so it's really getting clear on, well, what are those things that are important to me so that I can really ensure that I'm making that time for that stuff and I am staying in alignment with again what is true to me what are some common ways that people can block themselves from being happy whether it be explicit or implicit okay so there's the the simple answer and then the scientific answer um can I have both (laughs) of course uh the simple answer is that we're chasing the wrong things we think that we'll be happy when we have the perfect body when we have the perfect partner when we have the perfect if and then yeah like when i'm thin i'll be happy i need to be thin i need to be retired i need to be rich we are chasing this in a way that is just you see it like the one simple example is how many times have you been targeted with advertising for yet another course that tells you like your million dollar idea is just here why are we so why do we okay why do we want to be a millionaire so that we have free time to be happy. Now, what if you could just have that without being a millionaire? Let's just take a step back because these things actually don't make us happy. Now, here's the scientific reason. I would say the main the main theory behind this is something called hedonic adaptation. So hedonic adaptation means basically our minds are designed to get used to stuff. We get used to that new job. We get used to the marriage. We get used to um, getting into your dream school um, or buying a new thing. So say you buy a car because it's going to last a long time, then actually the excitement you feel, the level of happiness goes up above the baseline, and then you go back to the baseline. So this really is, for me, the, the issue. And what's even worse is that we don't realize that our minds are built to get used to stuff. So we're constantly mm-hmm. mispredicting how much something will have an impact on us. So we think we might overestimate the impact of buying that new car and we might underestimate the idea of something really bad happening. So we, we actually might not be as affected by bad news and we might not be as well affected by good news. But the point is that you you always go back to the baseline. Yeah. So how do you overcome that? You have to basically, there are ways that you can overcome this by being more grateful, by taking the time to savor an experience, knowing that that second or that minute, that hour is something you will never get back. Um, And there's this really great, great quote by Dan Gilbert that I love that um, I discovered in the Yale happiness course. I can't remember the quote exactly, but he basically says a really good car is there to stick around forever. But that trip that you took to Europe, it evaporates. And what I love with that is, I'll give you a really um, typical example. Uh, another, actually one more thing I want to add is um, human brains are built to think in relative instead of absolute terms. So this is something else that's in the Yale happiness class that is just mind blowing. What does this mean? It means that Say you get a new job that pays 100K. We don't think I earn 100K. We think how much is everyone else earning? 
We are constantly comparing ourselves to others. And social media has unfortunately had a bad role in this. We're constantly looking, how much am I earning compared to other people? What is my body like compared to everyone else? How was, what's my boyfriend life like compared to someone else? What's my house like? What's my car like? Now, and a great example that they give in this class is two people buy a new car. They're going to be like, how's my car compared to this? Two people go on a skiing trip to Europe they'll never have the same trip because that experience is unique to each person. So the secret there is invest in things that evaporate, that you can only live once and that you can savor, enjoy and be grateful for. And Beautiful. I think that's really, really important.